a whole year before you can come back and get another one. Tonight's message is a little different, although it's still... Here you go, ladies. Still aimed at the children, but maybe not the little beansy children, but the intermediate children, like you. And I entitled it, If I Should Die Before I'm Grown. You know, there's a little children's prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Some of you know that. I hear you saying it. Some of you who are old learned it a long, long time ago. If I should die before I wake, if I should die before I'm grown. Now, you, would say, you might say, well, Pastor Wagner, this seems like a very strange thing to talk about at a family camp when we're supposed to be having fun and playing games and enjoying ourselves and you want to talk about death. And not just death, but the death of children? Sounds pretty crazy. Well, let me tell you when this sermon came into my mind. Uh, At the beginning of May, all of the elders in your churches and the pastors went over to Phoenix for a presbytery meeting. And the first day we got there, the watch me rule still applies, even if you're way over there. Okay. The first day we were there, we heard that a young boy in one of our churches had had a terrible seizure and a heart attack, and he died. He was one week short of his fifth birthday. Who here is five years old? If you're five years old, raise your hand. You're five. You're five. You're five. Now, when I was little, I thought only old people died. When I was a child, my grandmother died, and she was old. And she looked at old, and she acted old. And so when she died, that was the first person in my family that died. But she was old. When I was a freshman in college, one of my classmates died. And I went to his funeral, and that was the first time I realized, you know, somebody my age can die. I mean, I knew it but I didn't know it. And so I got to thinking after that young boy died a month ago, I wonder how many of us as parents talk to our five-year-olds or our six-year-olds or even our ten-year-olds about dying. Do you guys ever think about dying? Some yes, some no. Any of you afraid to die? Huh? Sort of, yes. So you thought about it a little bit, huh? So it's probably a good thing for us to talk about. Now, the Bible says, Blessed are those who die in the Lord. It doesn't say, Blessed are those old people who die in the Lord. It says, Blessed is anyone who dies in the Lord. And so, although there are lots of reasons why we don't like to think about death, sometimes death is very, very ugly, sometimes it's very painful, sometimes it's pretty quiet and peaceful. It always means separation. Some people are left behind, and they're sad. And the more they love the person who died, the sadder they are. 
And there's nothing wrong with that. The Bible has nothing bad to say about grief itself. But grief gets complicated with other things. And when a child dies, one of the things that complicates grief is our sense that they really missed out on so much. And so we miss a person, but when that person who dies is a child, then we think, well, that, that's really, really tragic. And then we might say, well, it's really not blessed to die in the Lord. We talked on our first night about being in Adam. We die, whether we die when we're 80 or whether when we die when we're 8, we die because we are in Adam. And in him we sin, and the wages of sin is death. One of the things that proves to us that we are sinners, even from the point of conception, is that babies can die even in the womb. They wouldn't be able to die if they were not sinners, because sin and death go together. But most of us live to be grown up, and many of us, especially in this day and age, we've got good food, we've got good health care, we've got pretty safe automobiles, so we live a long, long time, many of us. But we don't have any guarantee that we're going to live a long, long time, and so it's very important for all of us to think about dying and dying well. And to die well, we need to die in faith. And the wonderful thing about what the Bible teaches us and what our baptism signifies is that we are in Christ, right? And so we know we have a Savior who loves us. And we love Him. And because He died, He took the sting out of death even if we're only five or six or ten. The real pain of death is sin, says the Bible. And when the sting is taken away by the death of Christ, then even when we're young, we can say like the Apostle Paul, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so even though death isn't a very happy topic for most of us, the Christian's death really is. And you know, if you get old enough, you start talking to some of these older people and they're starting to really look forward to that day. They're starting to think, you know, I'm looking forward to being free of my weakness, free of my pain, and especially free of my sin. And I'm looking forward to that time when I will be able to love God with an unsinning heart, when I will be made new, first of all, as a righteous soul made perfect, and then one day in the resurrection of the body. There's a story in the Gospel of Luke, and I'm sure some of you have heard it. Jesus was in the land of the Gerasenes, and he sailed back across the river to Capernaum. And when he got there, the people had heard that he was coming, and they were all eagerly waiting for him to arrive. And there was one man and woman that were especially eager for Jesus to get there. You know why? Because they had a daughter who was 12 years old, who was dying. Who's 12 here? 12, 12? Who's 12? Okay. They had a daughter your age, and she was laying in her bed at home, and she was dying. See that little boy I just talked about? He was five years, almost 5 years old. Here's 12 years old. She was dying. So, so these two parents were waiting for Jesus to come because they had 
heard about him. Maybe they'd even seen his miracles. The father was named Jairus, and he was a leader in the local synagogue where the Jews gathered together for worship. And so when Jesus came ashore back into Capernaum, this man and his wife came up to Jesus and they fell right down on their face by His feet. And they said, please come with us because our daughter is dying and we know that you can help. And so Jesus said, lead the way. And He headed off to their house. And on the way, He encountered another woman who was sick And Jesus stopped to heal her and to talk to her. And I sort of imagine this mom and dad sort of saying, come on, come on, she's dying. We can't wait to get there. But they couldn't say, come on, Jesus, hurry up. But in their hearts they were thinking, we've got to get home. We've got to get Jesus there. Otherwise she's going to be dead. And sure enough, as soon as Jesus finishes healing this woman and he's ready to start to the home, one of their servants comes and says, don't bother the Master anymore. The little girl is dead. I mean, I haven't had a child die. I don't know what that must feel like, but I bet their heart stopped. She's dead. There's a few times in the Bible where people thought that Jesus could help until the person died, and then they thought, he can't help anymore. Jesus said to that couple, to those parents, don't be afraid, just believe. And he went on with them to the house. And when he came to their house... He went in, but he wouldn't let any of the mourners who had gathered around to support the family, and then they were there to uh, be there for the mourning period, but he wanted them all to stay outside. And he just took Peter, James, and John, his three trusted disciples, and the mom and dad to go into the house where the little girl was probably laying there so still and cold on her bed. And as Jesus was about to go inside, he said to mom and dad, don't worry. She's only sleeping. And you know, the people heard that and they smiled and they said, this guy, he's such a fool. She's dead. We know dead. And that little girl is dead. But Jesus went in with the mom and the dad and the three disciples and he went over to her and he touched her and he said, little girl, arise. And just like she was asleep, she rose up again. And I think the parents probably thought, we can't believe it. It's amazing. Our little girl that we thought was gone is now back again. And Jesus said, I think she's probably hungry. You better give her something to eat. And so they did. It's a wonderful story. Yes? Yeah, in some of the translations, they translate that. That's the Hebrew. Little girl, it means little girl, arise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's Aramaic. Right, right. Good job. Way to stay on that stuff. There was another time, it didn't involve a child, when Jesus' friend Lazarus died. And on that occasion, too, he said, don't worry, Lazarus is just sleeping. Jesus knew he was dead. John says Jesus knew he was dead. But he said he's asleep. And it's kind of interesting. Yes? Didn't he come, um, wasn't he in the grave, though? 
Yeah, Lazarus was in a grave, not in a house, right. But the point is that Jesus said that both of these dead people, the little girl and uh, Lazarus, were asleep when really they were dead. And the reason he said that is because for him to awaken someone from death itself is no more difficult. As a matter of fact, it's easier than for your parents to wake some of you up on a Saturday morning. I mean, if you're back here in the teenage crowd and you've been out playing hard all Friday night and you don't have any school tomorrow, you're out cold, right? Time to wake up. Time to wake up. Come on, wake up. And as soon as they walk out of the room, what do you do? You roll over, go back to sleep. they got to come back in. I mean, it's hard to wake a teenager up from sleep. But Jesus can wake up someone from death. By just saying, little girl, wake up. What a wonderful Savior we've got. And this is the Savior we trust in, right? Yes? Oh, you're not supposed to tell us that. Shh. Don't tell secrets. Mom sleeps in, huh? Nah. Oh, I shouldn't have put that on the tape. I was Forget it. Erase. The point is that our Savior, because of His death and resurrection, is the Lord of life and death. And when we love Him, when we trust in Him, we're not only trusting Him to forgive our sins as we experience them day by day, we're not only trusting Him to guide us and direct us and help us, we're trusting Him to be with us when we die. Whether we die as adults or even if we should die as children. So there's really no need for you, if you know and love the Savior, if you're trusting in Him, for you to be afraid to die. It's, a, it's fearful in the sense that we don't know what's going to happen. And the Bible doesn't tell us very much about what it's like to die, what the experience is. Some people die instantly. Some people die after a long illness. All kinds of ways to die. We do know, though, that the sting of death is taken away because Jesus died on the cross in our place. And we can trust Him as our perfect substitute. So when we die, there's no curse in our death. Yes? Well, Jesus said she was asleep when she was dead because He was going to wake her up again. But when He woke her up, He woke her up from death. So the sting of death is taken away. And, as Paul says, to be absent from our bodies, whatever else it means, is to be present with the Lord. And we know that whenever we die, under whatever circumstances, if we love and trust the Savior, if we are His children, and we talked about that, then we can have the hope of going to be with the Lord. And we stay with Him until He comes again, And then He's going to raise our bodies out of the graves, out of the sea, out of dissolution when our bodies even go back to soil again, to dust again. He'll raise us again and we will live with Him forever in the new heavens and the new earth. And that is a wonderful thing. We sing that little children's song. I am Jesus' little lamb, ever glad at heart I am. Know that one? The last verse is really, really wonderful. 
And it's a wonderful confession of faith when we think about our death. Who's so happy as I am, even now the shepherd's lamb, and when my short life is ended, by his angel hosts attended, he will take me to his breast, there within his arms to rest. And we will rest with him forever. And in the resurrection, now I'm not sure when we rise, I think we're going to rise up as mature, grown-up people, even if we didn't live in this life to be that. But I'm not sure. I don't want, to, I don't want anybody taking me you know, to task for that one. But I think we'll all be grown up in the resurrection. But... We'll save that for later. So is it a tragedy when a child dies? Well, from one standpoint, it is. But if we remember what eternity is, endless time, then it doesn't sound quite so bad if we miss out on this eensy, beensy, teeny, weeny little comparative time, which is our life. It's like saying... I lived 10,000 years, but I really feel bad because I didn't live 10,000 years and one second. You figure, if you're going to live 10,000 years, don't sweat the one second. And in some ways, in terms of enjoying the blessed presence of God, the 10,000 years is going to be there whether you live one second extra or only a half a second extra or just a And we know that God has already appointed for us all our days, whether we're going to live five years like that little boy, or 12 years, or 25 years, or maybe even 92 or 100 years, whatever it might be. Even before we were born, God appointed all of those days. So we're not going to live a day longer, and we're not going to live a day shorter than the life that God has apportioned for us. You mean grown up like old or old age old? I think we're going to be in our prime in heaven. But you know, in heaven, we're not going to have a body yet. It's in the resurrection that we get our body. And then I think we're really going to be in our prime in the resurrection. When Jesus rose from the dead, his body was quite a bit like it was before he died, right? Except it was perfect and glorious. And that's the picture that God gives us of our bodies. There's a wonderful verse in Psalm 4, and let me close with this. Psalm 4, verse... Oh, these pages are so tiny. Everything about this Bible is tiny. Who told me to buy such a tiny Bible? I'm an old man. I need big. Okay, listen to this. Psalm 4, verse 8. In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me to dwell in safety. And what's true of going to sleep tonight and tomorrow night and every night ultimately is true of going to sleep in Jesus. Because Jesus will waken us again. 
immediately in his presence and then in the glorious resurrection, yes? Well, that's a very important question, and it's a good question, but it's a one with a long answer. Can you ask me that one again after we're done tonight, and I'll talk to you about it? Yeah, but it's a very good question. Hmm? Yeah, you can listen when we're talking about it, sure. Yeah, you just stick with her, and she'll bring you and the question later on. One of the old Puritans said, when he was commenting on this verse, that if we lay down in our bed every night, like we were laying down in our grave, that is, trusting in the Lord Jesus as our only hope in life and in death, then on that day, when we finally lay ourselves down in our graves, we'll lie down as in a bed to rise rested in the resurrection. Good way to think about living and dying in Jesus. We have a hymn, and let's close with a hymn about children who die in the Lord Jesus and around the throne of God in heaven they sing His glorious praises. And so that would be a good... Because I don't want you to think about death simply as a sorrow. It has its sorrowful dimensions. But the ones who die in the Lord at whatever age, under whatever circumstances, are truly blessed and it's reason... To rejoice. So let's sing that song, and it is number 648. 648. Why don't we stand up and sing this nice and loud because it's a song of triumph. 600. Around the throne, God in heaven, thousands of children stand, children whose sins call for you. Downs and his family, you know the story. Singing, glory, glory be to God on high, in flowing robes of Less white, see everyone arrayed, dwelling in everlasting light and joys that never fade, singing glory, glory, glory be to God on high. What brought them to that world above, that hand so bright and fair, where all is peace and joy and love, how came those children there, singing glory, glory, glory be to God on high, because the Savior shed His blood to wash away their sin, both in His pure and precious flood, behold them white and clean, singing glory, glory, glory be to God on high. On earth they sought the Savior's grace, on earth they loved His name, so now 
and stand before the Lamb, singing glory, glory, glory be to God on high. Let's pray. <clears throat> we thank you, O God, that the message of the gospel, the message of the death and resurrection of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, is a shout of triumph in the face of death itself. We thank you that because Jesus lives, we also shall live. First, in your presence when our bodies are resting in the graves until the resurrection, and then one day when you come again, we will rise and be made like you in the glorious semblance of your own resurrection body, there to live with you, in perfect and eternal, sinless fellowship in a new heavens and a new earth. Lord, we pray for all of us, young and old alike, that as we anticipate the day of our death, whether it comes suddenly without warning or whether it comes at the end of a decline where we have some time to think through it and prepare for it, in either way, O oh Lord, we pray that every day we would prepare for it by cultivating our faith, our love, our trust in the Savior who shed His precious blood to wash away our sins so that we might behold You bright and clean. Lord, we do pray also, we're sure that in a, in a congregation even this size, that there have been covenant children conceived and even lost in the womb. We thank You for the promises that You have made and for the comforts that we gain even uh, in those circumstances. And, Lord, we do grieve those losses, but we, we pray that we will not uh, feel our children disadvantaged because they get to go immediately into your presence and live uh, for all eternity there. Um, but rather, may we anticipate that time when we will hasten on to join them and rejoice in your presence together with them. So, Lord, we thank you for the comfort and the consolation of the gospel, and we pray that we would make it uh, our, our, our business, our, our concern to prepare ourselves uh, by the way we live for that day when we will one day die and go to be with you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. For